Hey everybody, Mike here from Hashtag 59 welcoming you to another edition of our Hashtag 59 podcast. Are you born to run or do you feel like maybe you've never really enjoyed running at all? Probably likely you're somewhere in between. Well, today we dive into the world of ultra running and long distance running. We have two special guests joining Amy and I that I promise are going to share stories that you have to hear to believe. Whether or not you want to go on the greatest, longest run in the entire world, or maybe just take a walk in the park, there's something about running that is inherent to who we are as homo sapiens, and I believe you'll enjoy the podcast and the stories that we're going to share, and maybe, just maybe, you'll feel like you're born to run too. Come join us on the inside. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Hashtag 59 Podcast where we discuss adventure in everyday places. Hashtag 59, if you don't know, is a community of outdoors and adventure travel advocates. And today, we are going to be discussing ultra running and long distance running. I'd like to give a quick little shout out to our location sponsor, Hopewell Works. It's a student union for professionals in downtown Columbus. And since Amy and I are Columbus-based, this is where we're recording this podcast today. Amy, how's it going? Good, how are you? Wonderful, wonderful. Ready to talk to two special guests. You've already heard a little bit about them on their podcast profiles that we released earlier this week. We have Brian Zerker with us. Brian, say hello. Hello, Mike. And Reggie O'Hara. Say, what's up, Reggie? What's up, Reggie? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I brought these two guests on today, one of which is a friend of a friend, Reggie, and then one of which is a good bud of mine, and I've been following their ultra long distance crazy running journeys off and on for a couple years, and I thought these would be two great people to discuss the crazy, awesome, wild world of ultra long distance (laughs) running. So, you know, let's start with, I want to let Reggie and Brian share because you know, Amy said she's not a huge runner. I've done a lot of relay races. I've done overnight runs, several half marathons, and a couple marathons. But I'm not at the level that you guys are at. So I'm going to ask Reggie to start. What have you done in the ultra running world? What do you enjoy about it? And what kind of impact do you believe it's made on the running world overall? You know, Mike, I basically you know started ultra running when I was in the Republic of Korea. And I wasn't a big runner then, and I basically decided I'm going to go out and run seven or eight marathons in a row. And when I can finish one of those and I don't feel any pain, I cross the finish line, it feels like I've run, you know, maybe a mile or so, I'm good to go. And I just jumped from that and went straight into a 62-miler about two weeks later, and that was probably a mistake. But I did do that. I think some of the things I've enjoyed the most – are with ultra running is just the whole mental, physical, and spiritual. Because when I'm out there running, pretty much, you know, I've done this so many times. I've run so many long-distance runs that I can kind of tie all those things in together. And there's a switch in the brain that kind of just goes off when you start feeling that pain. And you turn it into something more of a spiritual experience. So that's what I think it's really helped in regards to some of the bad things I've been through in life. And I've used, you know, ultra running to kind of help me out with some of that because I've seen some bad things, been through some rough times. And, you know, the physical part I had down, 
like the physical part was always easy for me, but the spiritual and the mental part were probably the toughest. The spiritual was the roughest. And then the mental was something that I needed to work on more and I still continue to work on. And I think ultra running, you know, because when you're out there running a 100 miler or 150 miler or 200 miler and you're at 10,000 feet, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what you're going to run into. I mean, I've run into bears. Um, I've gone from, I've gone from, you know, 90 degrees to up to 10,000, 12,000 feet and it's snowing. And, you know, I'm basically got 20 more miles before my next checkpoint. I'm on my own. So, you know, just dealing with the elements, I think is the greatest thing. It's, it's helped me all the way around from that mental and spiritual side. And I think you got to have them all. I think a lot of people just go with physical and mental, but you got to have all three. And it takes, I think, that sometimes that grueling run to eventually tie them all in together. Nice. Yeah, you know, it's funny about the Bears. I ran the Anchorage Marathon this year, and they first made us watch a little prep on what to do if you encounter a moose, which I'd kind of already known. Is it like a video? Yeah, just a little video tutorial (laughs) on on the moose. But then when we were crossing into this eight miles of trails— They actually said, you know, we saw a cub out here about an hour ago, should have passed. They were telling every person on the race, like, be alert. So I didn't get to run into the bear, but I got the warning and the protocol. So for me, I think what's cool about ultra running is it's given people a new way to view running. I think it's a lot of sports activities have stayed the same. I mean, if you look at baseball, it's been the same for over a century. Nine innings, same format. And I think running has evolved and trail ultra relay races have been a big part of that. To me, it would kind of be like if all of a sudden there was an equivalent to the NBA of a three-on-three league with NBA level players participating. It's three-on-three and there's a five-point shot. So, uh, Brian, I'd love to hear what you think in, about the ultra running world. Yeah, I mean, I'm an accidental runner. Like, I don't – I played sports growing up, played sports in college. I think I vowed I'd never run for time again at some point in college when I was annoyed with training for sports. And ultra is interesting to me. I think the big addition to the running community is that it combines exploration. It combines, you know, being in – unknown areas, a lot of other elements that are off of the road that make it interesting. And I think that the running has exploded and the next progression was to go longer distances. And most ultra is done on trail. You know, a lot of it's done on trail. And so it's a whole new element. And it, you don't have to be a professional. Like, I'm clearly not a professional. <laughs> I mean, time is the different continuum in ultra running because it's way more, as kind of Reggie said, it's about the physical, mental, spiritual side of it because you're going to be out there for a much longer period of time than a traditional marathon without a lot of support, without other people oftentimes for mm-hmm. long periods of time. And so it definitely is a different dimension of running, but I have found it completely addicting. It's an incredible community of people that seem to share a passion for the outdoors, for the environment for exploring, for traveling. And so for me, it was it's an interesting sport because of all of those things. I agree. Amy, from the outside looking in, have you seen anybody do these races or just, I mean, what do you know about it and what do you think it adds to? So one of my friends does a lot of ultra running events. 
I don't know enough about it to be like, oh, yeah, it's, like, really cool and everything else. But I know other people who've done, like, relay races throughout, like, you know, national parks. And they really think those are, I mean, that's, like, a great way to, you know, see the outdoors and stuff like that. So I just like the way it takes you off the pavement. Yeah, yeah. exactly. A lot of people yeah. think it sounds crazy. Like, they're like, oh, my God, 100K, 100 milers. And they all sound crazy until you begin the progression of getting to those distances, pushing past that. I mean, I'm not as skilled as Reggie to jump from marathons <laughs> to, to 60 mile races. It's been a slow progression of like triathlons and then marathons and then trail and then 50Ks and working up that ladder. But almost everyone I've ever known who's gone from amateur runner to this has said it's at some point you could never like when you ran your first half you couldn't imagine running a marathon mm -hmm. when you're running your first marathon you couldn't imagine you know five more miles but it's not as crazy once you sort of get there and learn how to be a, a participant so Reggie and Brian I know both of you have just done some one Reggie did a race Brian just kind of went out for like a really <laughs> really long unofficial race you know for me I am doing the Little Buck 10-mile trail run in October. And oh, that's a good one. That's, that's a tough one. Um, that's, look, I saw that map You're going to love out. it. Oof. There's a lot of hills. <laughs> that's what it looked like. Reggie, yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about Tahoe and what you just oh, did out there? Well, interesting enough, when I was training to go back to Tahoe, I ruptured my hamstring. I actually tore my hamstrings with you guys. I didn't tell you this, but I... Uh, was training to go to Tahoe. I'd done it once, and I came. I was going back, and I was going to go out there for my birthday. I had just come in from running two training distances, I think, of 13 and a half miles on a Friday and a Saturday. I walked in the door. I told my wife, I'm like, man, I mean, 13 miles is starting to feel like five miles, huh? I mean, I'm feeling great. And I get a call that day from a friend of mine, because I played uh, call, uh, Division One baseball for a few years, and my friend said, hey, Reg, you need a guy to play shortstop today. And I was like, oh, no. ah, what the heck, you know, I'm going to go out and play, man. I mean, you know, I was a little tired, not too bad. Went out, played shortstop, dove for a ball, and oh. ru completely ruptured my hamstring. Oh, no. And I finished the game with my hamstring completely ruptured. So I played three more innings, if you can imagine, detached from no. the bone, oh. ripped the bone, a piece of bone off my leg. And I thought, well, I just have a Charlie horse. <laughs> oh, I'm sitting there with ice on my leg. And I'm like, my friend's like, maybe we ought to move you to third base because you can hardly move. I'm like, yeah, I'll be all right. So I finished that game. The next day, I went to the physical therapist and then to my family doctor. And he's like, dude, you just completely ruptured your hamstring. We got to get you into surgery like oh, in seven days. Ooh. I'm recovering right now. And then I developed a blood clot, something totally they didn't expect and almost died. So... Right now, me being on this phone with you, being alive, this is, you know, I've had several close calls with death. Yeah. This has been the other one that set me back. But I'm rehabbing right now. And as you know, I ran the buck 50. That My last race before this injury was in April, where I went out and did a 150-miler with a friend of mine who's a U.S. Marine. We did it together. He's much younger than I am. But he kind of pushes me along. And uh, I, I'd like to add that 
I did the buck fifty as part of a ten person team. <laughs> you did the buck fifty alone. Alone. <laughs> I mean, with yeah, the partner. Was, yeah. You know, I, I just love that course. I've done it three times. I've done an eighty miler out there as a training run. I've done a sixty-two miler out there as a training run because normally, you know, since it's that close, it's only an hour away. I would just go out there and say to my wife, hey, man, I need you to crew for me. I'm going to get out, and I'm going to be running on basically on the side of the highway. And I literally, no joke, I'd have people stop their car. I had a group of people stop their car. There were four of them. Get out and run with me for part of the, my training run. That's which great. Was, which is kind of cool because it was towards the end. I was getting tired. So that's why I, that community out there is pretty cool. And probably in Chillicothe, there's so many hills out there. You know, that part of Ohio, that's one of the reasons I like going out because it's just, it's tougher running. Doesn't compare to Tahoe, though. Tahoe is a whole nother beast. I actually think that Tahoe probably, besides Moab, is the toughest run at, absolutely in the United States. It's, it's just unbelievably tough. Luckily, I had a buddy that I did that with to make time go by. But the problem with that race is, you know, you go from... 6,000 feet up to 10,000 feet, and I went 48 hours straight before I took my first break. And I came down from 10,000 feet, and, you know, it was just 48 hours, no sleep, mud on you. And basically there, the stations, the checkpoints are really far apart. So you're pretty much on your own for between 18 to 20 miles. And you never know what you're going to run into out there, man. Like I said, we were crossing over a trail. There's a bear, you know, below us. So we just missed that. You see a lot of nature out there. Um, it's just an incredible place. It circumnavigates around Lake Tahoe. My next run, 100%, will be. I'll be going out there next year to do it. And I'm hoping if I do recover from this, everything goes right with my leg, that I can get out and do the buck 50 this coming up April. Because during that time, too, my brother, this is something that was rough. That he passed away due to a drug overdose. So uh, he died, yeah, with the, my brother. Oh, I'm sorry three, to hear that. Three, three, uh, thanks. Three weeks into my recovery, you know, of the drug overdose of fentanyl, I found him outside in a chair with his, his head between his legs, dead. And I'm on basically on my bed with just, you know, having my hamstring reattached. So when I said, you know, I talk about the mind, I talk about the spirit, and I talk about the physical body, really, I mean... To get through some of these races, I've found that you got to have the physical training. You've got to be able to turn off the switch in your brain where literally you don't hear anything around you. You just become one with nature, one with God. And then the mind part is still one that I think if you're going to do these types of races and, and really push yourself, you've got to be able to tap in and train all three of those. And yeah. sometimes it takes, you know, really bad things to happen to you in order to make you tap in to all three. And if you can tap into all three, I'm 100% convinced that you can do anything you set your mind to do. That you can do the hardest thing in the world and in any condition in the world if you can tap into all three. So that's one of my one of the things I try to work on every day. Yeah. Is tap into all three of those. Well, we're glad you're rehabbing that hammy. I'll look forward to seeing you out of the buck 50 in April hopefully. <laughs> now <laughs> Now let's talk a little bit about, uh, Brian, share your little, uh, I mean, I don't mean to demean it by not calling no. it a race, but it really was, it was it's not a race. It yeah. wasn't a race. It was uh, Friday. Yeah, right. It was Friday. <laughs> um, yeah. So over the years, my running partner, Luke Tuttle, who's 
been my sort of mentor in running, and we have completely sort of different styles of preparing for the races. We have weird schedules, like we both work a lot, we both travel a lot, he's in Europe a lot, and so like aligning to a race isn't always that easy to do. And, and sometimes we just want to go places where there isn't a race happening. So we found a stretch on the Appalachian Trail that is a 30-mile stretch, Davenport Gap area, and we just call them self-supported races. <laughs> and so those are the best. Yeah, just, those uh, are absolutely the best. You know, and it's uh, it's interesting. So that particular one was is a thirty mile tough stretch. Usually, it's like a three day hike, and we were aiming to do it in under ten hours. And so we got through that. But the interesting part about it is the preparation for that, because you know, in races, you still in ultra races, you always have to prepare despite whatever checkpoints there are, you know, a lot of elements continue. But when you're doing it on your own, you're talking about needing to carry like five liters Everything. of water, yeah. then having places to refill. And so you're another dimension of carrying 30 pounds or more sometimes and how that's going to impact it. So that was fun. I mean, it's really remote. And so there's, I don't know. I mean, I think we find it a level of excitement that it is that remote. And it's another element of danger. There, there is no, there is no Gatorade, a Dixie cuppy handed to you every mile and a half on a self-supported ultra run. Yeah, no, no. And on Luke's, the AT, Luke's a super yeah. technical guy, so he really thinks about all of the nutritional calculations we're going to have to do. And I'm like the grit and grind it guy. So yeah. You know, when we when we're kind of out there, and you know, he's making sure we're stopping and eating and drinking enough, and I'm pushing us to the next one. And that's I don't mind running by myself, but I love running with him. And we've gone all over the country for, for it, and we love the self-supported. I think that's one of the things is that people wait for race moments a lot of times, um, and that kind of that can control your training, control your. Thing. And uh, I was just listening to like Jason Krug, the kind of well-known like cyclist trainer now into ultra running training. He said, he's like, you should just be an always on fitness person who happens to race once in a while. Yeah. That's so true. That's so that. true, man. Yeah, that, yeah. People have asked me what my goals are when I'm in shape for doing yoga or running. They're like, are you a runner? Are you a hiker? I'm like, I want to be able to, if somebody calls me, not to like... Reggie or your level on those I think you need to train for those but like if somebody calls me and says you want to go play five on five basketball for two hours hey you want to go run a half marathon hey you want to I'm able to go do that at any time I'm in that condition to be able to go out there and do those races Brian what's a dream ultra self-supported or actual race that (laughs) stands out to you that you would like to tackle well I mean I've kind of said like I don't ever have never really considered myself a runner and so and I mean that in a way like there's people who really value like meeting up with running groups and they do a lot of you know, kind of road races and they're in that kind of running community. So for me, that was actually never something I was a lot of running was to be by myself. So I focused on that. I say that because part of my inspiration over the years has been reading like Dean Karnass's early book about Born to Run. And so not knowing much about ultra running, I think I was introduced to the Western States race Mm. probably really early on in my sort of triathlon running day so that one has held a special place in my heart i think just as sort of like an interesting aspirational goal yeah but i know for people who've done that and have done a lot of like the kind of famous races like hard rock is one that seems like it's even more difficult than western states because a lot of people say western states is obviously hard but it's not it's by far not the hardest and the, the cool thing is now there's so many races 
yeah. um, that I don't even know. There are places all over the world that I'm sure have incredible things to do that I couldn't even tell you they exist yet. So my answer might change in a few years. Yeah, they, yeah my answers always change on hikes or runs or experiences i would actually like to do more of like a self-supported like the southern california version of the pct down in the mojave desert do something like that for a week or the arizona national scenic trail yeah. supposed to be really nice reggie let me what's, know what's let me know where you're going man once i'm healed up i'll do it with you because i love that stuff man so self-supported nice. forget the checkpoints okay? everybody's sober on this call so this could be a thing that maybe yeah to life <laughs> Reggie, I think that might be a line to promote this podcast. Forget the checkpoints. Yeah. <laughs> Forget the checkpoints, man. I mean, uh, you, you go out, you're in nature, you're with, you know, you, you got a guy, somebody else you can run with, which is sometimes really tough to find that right person. And sometimes by chance, you just run into him. That's happened to me. I'm usually just like to run alone. There's been a few people that I'm like, man, I don't know if I could have made it through this run without meeting up with this guy. And at the end of the race, 40 hours later or so, you're like best friends with them and you're staying in contact with them all the time. So yeah. you just never know. You know, you meet some really cool people out there that have some of the same mentality as you do and some of the same running goals. And they've had some similar life experiences, too. They're out there running because, you know, they lost a brother in war. Their brother died. They're going through rough times of some sort. And so they're using running as kind of an outlet and as long as they're tying in other things, like I talked about that mind and that spirit together, tying all three of those in, that's, and let me tell you, tying all three of those in, and I go over that, it's really tough. You got to really work on it. And I think that that's just one step that can be used is doing these types of testing your limits. And I've always been a physical guy. I love testing the limits just to see if I can do it and what my mindset's going to be when I'm running. Am I going to take, you know, the easy way out or am I going to take that road that, hey, this is not going to be hard. I'm getting ready to basically feel like I'm going through hell because there are points in, in races where you feel like you're going through hell. And if I come out of the other end of hell, I can promise you that I'm going to be in some way or another. I'm going to have tackled one of those three things I talked about. Yep. Am I mentally tougher? Mentally more prepared, more positive, and my in touch with my spirituality and the physical part, I think, you know, that you already have that kind of taken care of if you make it through that race. That's yeah. kind of a given. So I have this kind of, I consider a funny story about the barefoot running craze. <laughs> and that's from talking to guys up at the shoe store that I go to. And they said when Born to Run came out, it blew up the ultra scene, but it also blew up barefoot running. And they said it also blew up plantar fasciitis injuries oh, yeah. to like <laughs> yeah. these ungodly yeah. levels. And I think for me, and then it kind of leveled off and like we were at the Mount Desert Island in Acadia National Park Marathon last Sunday. Yeah, I did that one a few years ago. You did? Yeah. That's a, looks like an amazing race. Hilliest road race in America. So we were at a checkpoint. My <laughs> wife and I went out. to cheer. Yeah, to cheer, <laughs> mile 10. And it was straight up this hill and your reward after about 10 feet of flat was straight up yeah. another hill. But there was one barefoot runner that whole time. We were out there for about an hour. But I think it kind of, it's a little bit of a misconception, I think, is created. So I'd be curious, you know, my other misconception about ultra running, I think people think it's either for lunatics or like barefoot runners. <laughs> Brian, what do you, any misconceptions out there you think about the ultra world and what's going on? Yeah, I mean, look, there are, Reggie knows this, you show up to some races and, you know, if you think about, like, a major marathon, you know, where there's all this hoopla and there's 
<laughs> bands playing and fireworks and yeah, whatever. Like what's going to go on tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, tomorrow, yeah the, the Columbus Marathon. I've shown up to a couple of 50Ks this. where you look around and go, is this like a homeless convention? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it looks like a pretty eclectic, you know, 15 people. And then someone just sort of says, all right, guys, go that way. And they sort of point off to the side and you start running. You go. Right? But when you talk to people, you uncover that, like, there's just this wide spectrum of people that, you know, like the racing style and being out in nature. And it does attract some barefoot runners. I'm not one of them. I'm definitely not a barefoot runner. But I remember, like, starting to play lacrosse. It was funny because it was like the dancing bears lacrosse. It was a deadhead sport, right? <laughs> and now, I mean, over time, it's now it's like an elite sport with elite athletes in it. But it was kind of similar. There was like a half half of the people there were like the outcast, which is probably why I liked it. And half of them were athletes. And similar to ultra running, I think the big shift in the last few years has been as the popularity has come to it, the pros have really stepped up their game. And now you're seeing times being done the Investment by the brands that are supporting it is evidence that there's clearly money in it for someone. So I think that that's probably a misconception. I mean, this year we did the Black Canyon 100, and the guys are setting records at every race right now. And these incredibly – I imagine it's going to be an Olympic sport sometime in the next 20 years because it's so much more interesting than road running – but it's also like, it's just not a spectator sport, right? So it has its limitations you know, from that standpoint. But yeah, it, it is this wide range and you can't judge any book by its cover because you'll see someone you're like, no way they can make it through 50 miles. And then at mile 36, they're they're like blowing past you. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, right. oh God. <laughs> well, well and, I, and I got drawn into the scene because of, yeah, the renegade notion that you know, the reason I like to run the Columbus Marathon every, every year is because I can run there. Yeah. And it's right outside <laughs> my house. Like, I'm not for, like, I don't want to, like, park my car and get there two hours. Like, And that's what I like about the – you can kind of just show up and you're like, is this thing on? Like, are we doing this today? Like, you're not really sure. And, like – and I even seek that out with, like, road races. So that's a really good point. I was thinking about – and I want to ask you two – Ultra runners, running stories that have inspired you guys. I had a few. I just want to name, obviously, both of you and the stuff that you guys put yourselves through is very inspiring to me. My brothers run Catalina Island. He's done a couple Ironmen as well. It's been pretty, from eight years ago to like pulling out of like the flying pig due to a foot injury and never running a marathon and being able to do those, I think is pretty cool. And then, man, that guy who founded the Barclays is just, that documentary is so good and it's inspiring. And, and Scott Jurek, I think, just being able to, for him to go out there and do what he's done and really take the scene to the next level has been really neat. I actually heard this story about somebody lined up at an Austin, the Austin, Texas road race, and Scott Jurek was next to him. And they said, like, what is he doing here? And they said, it was amazing because he looked like the happiest, craziest runner. And I guess when he goes across the start line of these races, he like <laughs> he screams and like gives out this squeal. And then afterwards, he rolls around the grass, and it's just like his yeah. like his barbaric spirit coming out because he loves it. So Reggie, inspiration on ultra running or other runners? You know, I don't have a lot of them. They're probably the guy that you know, and you guys probably know. Dave Goggins, I probably would say, former Navy SEAL, would be one of, as far as his mindset goes, 
a guy that I think has it together when it comes to ultra running and a guy that used to be really overweight, was down and out. I mean, super depressed dude. And everybody told me he was dumb. He'd never make it in anything he did. He's way over the top, man. I mean, some of those things that, you know, I don't agree with everything, but I would say as far as where he came from and what he's done, Dave Goggins would be the guy just based on his mentality of, you know, when someone tells you that you're stupid, you don't have what it takes, you're never going to make it. I'm probably going to go with him, man. I mean, yeah. How about you, Brian? Yeah, I'll uh, rapid fire a few because it's progressed for me. I mean, Carnazis was like, when he wrote that book, I was into triathlon scene at the time. Sort of introduced me to that. So I've, uh, and I was running in Wisconsin a few weeks ago and he was in the race and at one point was running next to me for a couple of minutes and I didn't really realize who it was. And I turned and I'm like, oh shit, that's Dean Carnazis. Like, that's pretty sweet. Um, so just tracking his career was awesome. The other kind of famous guy right now is Jim Walmsley who, if you have time on YouTube, always check out Found Own 49, which was, he was going to set the course record at Western States and, and made a wrong turn and didn't make it. This year he did set the record at Western States in a ridiculous, like, 14 and a half hours or something wow. crazy. And him and uh, a group of guys, that they call themselves the Cocachino Cowboys, and they run <laughs> out from Flagstaff, and they run out the Grand Canyon in there. I follow them closely. They all decided to go to Golden Ticket races this year so they could get to Western States, and they all won those races. And I think Walmsley set the record at Sonoma 50 or something this year again. But probably more like close to my heart is my buddy Luke. Mm-hmm. I mean, just having someone that you can like count on, and he's always inspiring new runs and new places to go. And the quick story about, I think, to the point of finding that person that you can run with, which is really hard, right? I mean, I'm a solo runner too, so I avoided people running for many years. But Luke wanted to go do the Baton Death March, which is... It's a military-based race in New Mexico, White Sands Missile Range. Pay homage to the folks who died at Baton. And it's a marathon distance in the White Sands, which is soft sand. And to complete it in the like spirit of the race... You have to carry a forty-pound rucksack. I remember back. when you were training. Oh, yeah. I even I saw him out That's one day, like crazy. training. He had, this, <laughs> he had this pack on. Yeah, it's uh, and um, that race is really fascinating. They have a, a great ceremony that pays homage to to everyone. There's still a couple guys alive who are in the baton death. They greet you at the starting line. It's mm-hmm. very emotional. But what's cool is that that was the first time we'd run together, and we were seeing how this was going to work, and it's a, t- a tough day, right? I mean, but what was cool is that we had a pretty good time going, and we were sort of passing these groups of military runners, and they're cheering us on, which is very, like, weird emotion to be in a military race as a civilian while a military group is cheering you on as you pass them. And so we just, we got through that race, and I think we both knew, like, we crossed this, we had this breakthrough in a friendship, but the experience in general was great. And so, you know, I look back, that was almost six years ago. And we've run probably thousands of miles together. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Yeah. And that's a great, great story. You know, I think you two have already hit on my last question before we jump into rapid fire. But I wanted to share my thought on, like, to me, you guys have both nailed some great benefits of long distance running that I think people might not recognize. For me, I just think it's the ability to embrace road races and normal runs now with like this, it turned running into a kid's game again for me. Like ultra running and like trail running turned it back into like this. When people say, oh man, I got to go for a run today. I'm like, yeah, you get to go for a run today. Like with this, it just has given me this playful attitude for it. Like 
I didn't train for the half marathon. I just want to go out and run it. Like I signed up a week ago for this half marathon tomorrow. Oh, you did? Yeah. I, and I'm in <laughs> that level of shape. But, yeah. but I mean, I just think it's going to be fun. Like I love running from my house, yeah. running down to the course. I just kind of like weasel in through the barricades <laughs> and just start running. And then I run home afterwards. <laughs> like, and that's just a fun, to me, that what a great way to spend Sunday morning. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, man. You know, awesome. so, so that's what it has. So let's, Amy, I'm going to let you do yeah. the rapid fire question. Let's go Reggie, Brian, Mike on the questions. Okay. And let's wrap this thing up with some rapid fire. All right, Reggie, what's the hardest ultra run in the world? Oh, I would say to me be the Moab probably or in Tahoe would be the two toughest ones. Okay. Brian? I'll say a very well-famous race that's organized, Ultra Trail Mont Blanc, for like the pros who are, are doing it from like a world championship perspective, but there are much harder runs in the world. I will say, because I've hiked in Death Valley in January twice, <laughs> and it's so hot there in January, oh, yeah. I can't imagine running Badwater. No. So I'll go Bad with Badwater. Badwater's a great one, yeah. That's another, that's a tough one. All right. Uh, who's the best ultra runner in the world? Reggie? You know, I'm going to go with my military brother. I'm going to... I'm going to have to go with Dave Goggins again. Just, I mean, I'm not saying he's the best. I don't know if you could really say anybody's the best. There's a lot of best. I would say just from a physical, mental side, you know, I'm going to go with Dave. Dave Goggins, man. He's he's a good one. Nice. Yeah, I'll say Jim Walmsley, just given what he's done this year. Like Reggie said, it's a, it's a long piece of string, so who knows. You know, I went with the – because I think this is – the Barclays is nuts. That guy who yeah. – on the documentary, who won it and then came back and won it again. I'm going to go with that guy because that's just... To find the pieces of paper <laughs> in the dark from the books <laughs> on top of no sleep. That's and rough, the- <laughs> yeah. And that guy was like a chemical engineer, too. He was he was a smart guy. Yeah, he was. So I'm going to go... I forget his name. I'll put it in the show notes, but th- that's mine. Okay. What's the best running documentary or book around? And you cannot name Barclays or Born to Run. <laughs> so, Reggie, go ahead. I'm going to go with the New Zealand. This one of my a lady that I know well, Lisa Tamati, wrote a book. I forgot the title of it. You can look it up. We'll but find as it. As far as is a female ultra runner, New Zealand, Lisa Tamati, and I. She's got several books out and a documentary. I don't know the actual name of it, but she's a great, great female runner, man. She's done about every race in the world. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with Ultra Runner Mad. Zine Carnage's book. I've read it four or five times, and it doesn't seem to get old to me. I'm going to go with a book that actually opened me up to this whole renegade sports world. It's called The Renegade Sportsman. It's by this Portland-based sports writer. And he followed six what he considered renegade sports for a year. And the running one was the Hash Harriers, which is actually a what they call they call themselves a drinking club with a running problem. <laughs> and they, they, they go meet up in these random places in like a city at like midnight – and they have a beer, and they go for like a five-mile run in the dark, and they sing songs, and then they have another beer, and then they like go home. And they, Because they said running clubs are too serious for them. Oh. And my friend Greg and I went on one, and it was pretty funny. Not a regular member, but that kind of opened me up to this whole renegade world of sports again. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, what's your uh, dream run? Reggie, go ahead. Probably my dream run would be... Right now, I would go go with uh, Tahoe again, for sure, just because of the scenery is incredible. And I still have one other in Badwater, for sure. Reggie, you let me know when you're running Badwater. I'll come out there and support. I'm definitely going to do it. Not <laughs> not this year, but it's coming in the next probably two years. Any excuse I can get to Death Valley yeah. is good for me. 
uh, in the spirit of not having one, but Western States was one. I haven't done the rim to rim to rim, and my buddy Luke did it, so that's on the dock of the next year. And to Reggie's, I hope we'll see each other there, but we're supposed to do Tahoe end of next year. So Awesome. I'll be there, man. That'll be awesome. <laughs> so I would, you know, in, this, in the theme of our self-support, my dream run would actually be getting, you know, guys like you, a group of like 15 to 30 friends and friends of friends together and uh, kind of designing our own race that we invite a group of people out to. And I'd probably pick somewhere like Moab, Utah, where then you can stay and hang out for a couple of days. Not not the one Reggie's talking about. <laughs> the, that's the hardest one in the world. But actually, just kind of like this off the beaten path, self-support with friends of friends, and then we can stay for a few days and hike and share memories. Oh, afterwards. that's the most memorable one of all. That's yeah. going to be the best one of all. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you get your friends and you, and you pitch a tent, you wake up, you have something to eat in the morning, and boom, you get back on the road again, run, <laughs> and you go until you can't go anymore. Nice. That's, and yeah. I, th- I think with that, that is summarizing and a perfect ending to our show today. So I want to thank, first off, Reggie and Brian for uh, coming on the show with us. And I want to thank the listeners for tuning in to the Hashtag 59 podcast. Join us, take part in the adventures at Hashtag59.com. We have our social media channels, content, contests, events, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes if you don't already. And if we would be very grateful if you left us an awesome review while you're there. So thanks for tuning in to the Hashtag 59 podcast. This is Mike and Amy signing off. Sayonara. <laughs>